0: Welcome back to Dose Makes the Poison, the ToxCast. My name is Kevin, and this is episode three of the ToxCast. I hope each and every one of you is having a fantastic morning, afternoon, or night, right about now. So today, we are talking about the new movie, Knives Out. And yes, I know the last episode I said that I'd be back with an episode on cyanide, but guess what? Plans change. So you're probably asking yourself, why the heck are we talking about a movie on a science and toxicology podcast? If you've already seen this film, then you know why. If you haven't seen it, well, let me tell you that drugs and toxicology play a major role in the film. So this goes without saying, though, I'm saying it out loud now to you. Uh, this episode contains massive spoilers for the film Knives Out. I'm not going to give all away all of the plot points the movie has a boatload of twists and turns uh, but what i do talk about is part of the major storyline so if for some reason you don't want to hear these spoilers please check out of the episode now and revisit the toxcast after you have watched the film so i'm sounding the spoiler alarm now spoilers So first, we've got to set the stage. Let's listen to the movie trailer of Knives Out. Harlan started out with a Rusty Smith Corona and built himself into one of the best-selling mystery writers of all time. 30 languages, over 80 million copies sold. You guys fans? I mean, I don't do much fiction reading myself. Big fan, I'm a big fan. (laughs) Who is that guy? Uh, Mr. Blanc is a private investigator of great renown. I read a tweet about a New Yorker article about you. You're famous. The night of his demise, the family had gathered to celebrate your father's 85th birthday. And your son, Ransom, did he attend as well? Yes, but he left early. I think Linda was upset. Walt would get a little Irish courage in him. He'd get into it with Harlan. What? Richard said what? Are you baiting me, detective? Attempting to be thorough so we can figure out the matter of death. You mean if someone killed him? You think one of us, one of his family, Walt, Walt killed him? Mr. Blanc, I just buried my father, who committed suicide. Why are you here? I suspect foul play. I have eliminated no suspects. Harlem was cleaning house. Everyone in the family has possible motives. Was Holland planning on cutting off Johnny? Did he plan to fire Walter? Is Richard having an affair? That's some heavy-duty conjecture. Funny, Ransom, you skipped the funeral, but you're early for the will reading. Up your ass. Very nice. Oh. Ransom. 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 You gotta do this more often. The family is truly desperate. When people get desperate, the knives come out this is a twisted web and we are not finished untangling it not yet i keep waiting for the big reveal all of them lied to me there is one guilty party behind it all you know something spill it oh my god tell me what happened to my grandfather I think you have something you want to tell me. So now you've heard a trailer. Uh, Knives Out is a 2019 American murder mystery film written, produced, and directed by Ryan Johnson. Um, he previously wrote and directed uh, the 2005 film Brick, uh, the 2012 film Looper, and one tiny movie you might have heard of 2017 Star Wars Episode 8 The Last Jedi. So this film, Knives Out, premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival on September 7th of this year, and it was just released about 10 days ago, November 27th, 2019. Uh, The movie is rated PG-13, runs for just over two hours, budget was $40 million, and in the 10 days of theatrical release, it has grossed about $82 million worldwide, so it's well on its way to making a nice profit. The film itself has a, an ensemble cast, uh, includes Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, Captain America fame, Anna D'Armas, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Don Johnson, Tony Collette, Lakeith Stanfield, Catherine Langford, Jaden Martell, Christopher Plummer, and even the great Frank Oz. So the general synopsis for Knives Out is that a detective investigates the death of a patriarch of an eccentric, combative family. That's all I'm going to tell you about the plot, really. Knives Out. I mean, basically, it's a modern take on the the classic whodunit type of movie. So, when the whodunit type of movies, think of Agatha Christie's Murder on the Orient Express or Death on the Nile or the 1985 movie Clue, based on the board game. So, okay. Again, how does toxicology fit into this movie? Why are we talking about this? on this podcast. Well, we've got a suicide or is it murder? I mean, this is a murder mystery. Harlan Thrombey, he's a self-made wealthy crime fiction writer and it's his 85th birthday. He invites his family over for a party at his mansion, but the morning after the party, the housekeeper named Fran finds Harlan dead with a slit throat. Again, I'm going to leave out a lot of detail because it isn't pertinent to this show, but let's just say that Harlan's family isn't very nice. The movie itself flashes back to the events of the nights that Harlan died through vignettes of the detective and a private investigator, Bennett Blanc, uh, interviewing the family. It's revealed to us, the viewer, again, spoilers, so check out. Uh, It's revealed to us that Harlan went up to a study with Marta his personal nurse, and they played a game of go before he was to get his nightly medications. Uh, he had recently fallen and injured himself, and he was receiving nightly injections of 100 milligrams of Ketorolac and uh, and sometimes a 3 milligram injection of morphine to aid him in sleeping. So Marta gives Harlan the meds as they are talking about things, But Marta quickly realizes that she has mixed up the medication bottles. So as they look, they, they look exactly alike. So she, instead of administering 100 milligrams of Ketorolac and 3 milligrams of morphine, she believes she has administered 3 milligrams of Ketorolac and 100 milligrams of morphine intravenously. Which is a big mistake. So, of course, she freaks out and desperately searches for the naloxone or Narcan she keeps in her medical bag. And as most things go in the movies, the naloxone is nowhere to be found. But Harlan is always thinking he's a famous crime fiction writer after all. He opens his notebook. He asks questions about, uh, would this be a good way to kill someone in a novel? And he asks about how long it'll take for it to occur. Uh, Mart is still frantically searching for the naloxone. But Harlan calms her down and tells her that she can't be implicated in this uh, because uh, her mom is an undocumented immigrant. And since Marta is the last person seen with Harlan, she's going to be suspected of his murder. And then it'll be definitely found out when a toxicology report comes back because there'll be fatal levels of morphine found. Um, And she'll go to jail. Her mom's life will be ruined. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, Long story short, Harlan Thrombey concocts a plan that will potentially keep Marta from being a suspect. I'm going to leave it at that. I believe I've explained all I want to about the plot. I don't need to go anything further. I don't need to give any more spoilers because I do not really want to ruin the rest of the movie for you. So, toxicology is involved in this movie. I didn't see it coming at all. But it's still pretty dang cool to have your job be a central part of a major film. So let's actually dissect this a little bit further. Ketorolac. We mentioned Ketorolac. Ketorolac is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug, an NSAID, that's been used clinically in the United States since around 1990. Uh, trade names for Cetorilac, uh, uh, the most famous one is probably Toradol. But it does have other names uh, Acular, AcuVel, Sprix. Um, it's available as an optimal solution for topical application. Uh, it's available as tablets for oral administration, in spray for oral inhalation, and in solution for injection. So IV doses are typically given every six hours up to a daily maximum of about 120 milligrams of the drug. So Catorilac itself, when you're when you're talking about toxicology testing, Katorilac, may or may not be included in the routine toxicology testing by the lab. It's very, very dependent on the lab doing the testing and what the specific scope of the routine testing is at that lab. So I'm not going to talk about Ketorolac anymore here. It's it's not the one drug that's the major drug of interest here. Because morphine is the major drug of interest. Morphine itself, we've all heard of morphine. Morphine is the most abundant opiate found in the opium poppy. makes up about 8-14% to 14% of the dry weight of the plant. Uh, pharmacologically, morphine is an opioid receptor agonist of the phenanthrene class of substances. So remember how we defined agonist before. Agonist is a substance that binds to a receptor and produces an effect. Morphine binds to opioid receptors mu-opioid kappa and delta opioid receptors in the nervous system and creates a biological response that is, again, an effect. It creates analgesia, central nervous system depression, respiratory depression, hypotension or low blood pressure, hypothermia or low body temperature. In overdose situations where a person takes too much of a substance, a person can can basically become apneic meaning the person stops breathing which then leads to hypoxia which means there is an oxygen deprivation to the tissues which include the brain which is not a good thing. So common routes of administration for morphine are oral can be taken buccally and sublingually it can be taken intranasally intravenously IV intramuscularly intrathecally meaning Injected into the spinal canal or into the subarachnoid space. So think of like cerebrospinal fluid. Uh, Epidurally injected into the epidural space around the spinal cord. Or even rectally or subcutaneously into the skin. And it can even be smoked for illicit purpose. From a pharmacokinetics perspective. So remember... We talked about pharmacodynamics, which we just talked about, and then pharmacokinetics, what the body does to the drug itself. Uh, One thing to mention is that the route of administration matters. So if taken orally, if you consume it by mouth, much of the dose is subject to what we call first-pass metabolism, or that it's absorbed by the gastric into the bloodstream and then transported to the liver, where it's broken down or metabolized before it gets distributed to the tissues, including the brain. So if it's taken orally, approximately about 40 to 50% of the morphine dose reaches the central nervous system. If you take it intravenously, a lot more of that drug actually reaches the central nervous system. I mean, half-life of morphine is 1.3 to about 6.7 hours. It's a range. We never want to give a distinct number for half-life because it does... Vary according to individual and certain other aspects of the individual's genetics. Morphine, how it's metabolized—it's—we won't talk about a lot of it because it's metabolized to normorphine and then morphine glucuronide, morphine sulfate, normorphine glucuronide, normorphine sulfate. So the way we look for it in a lab is just by morphine or morphine glucuronide. So the the typical dose of morphine, we got to talk about this because the typical dose of morphine given to, um, for acute pain uh, intravenously, um, is around 0.1 to 0.2 milligrams per kilogram body weight. So for a 70 kilogram person or we in the United States use pounds, 154 pound person, uh, that's approximately seven to 14 milligrams morphine intravenously for acute pain. Marta in the movie was supposed to inject three milligrams of morphine IV. But Marta injected Harlan Thrombey with 100 milligrams of morphine IV. So yes, 33 times her normal injection or even 7 to 14 times the normal dose given for acute pain. That's quite a bit. That's a lot. So, would this show in a toxicology report? Most definitely it would show in a tox report. There is no doubt about it. Morphine is a substance that is covered under any routine toxicology testing. Remember that we said morphine has a half-life of about 1.3 to 6.7 hours. And again, in forensic tox, we say that a drug is detectable for 4 to 6 half-lives in the blood. So, if you do that math we come up with a, a window of approximately five to 40 hours that morphine would be detectable in the blood. So from an analytical toxicology and chemistry standpoint, morphine is very easy to analyze. It's got a wider window of detection in the blood up to a day, day and a half from several hours up to a day, day and a half. And then there are many immunoassay assay screening kits available for the detection of opioids, opiates and opioids. And most of those opiate-specific screening tests actually use morphine as a target drug, as a target substance. Uh, Morphine can be extracted out of the blood and even urine and various tissues using techniques called solid phase extraction, or SPE, or liquid-liquid extraction, LLE, or even a dilution or precipitation extraction. It's readily ionized and identified by different techniques of mass spectrometry. So just putting it plainly, it's easily identified in a forensic tox lab. There would be no, no problems doing that. So getting back to the, the dosages given. So looking at the, the scientific literature for a minute, because we always like to have some sort of references available. A study published by Stansky et al. in the journal Clinical Pharmacology and Therapeutics in 1976 showed that large doses, 55 to 65 milligrams in this study, and remember in the movie, Marta supposedly had given 100 milligrams of morphine IV. In this study, large dosages of IV morphine produced peak plasma concentrations of 800 to 2,600 nanograms per milliliter of blood with uh, concentrations of about 300 to 500 still detected after about 1.5 hours after administration. Uh, It was also noted in this study that the amount of morphine that was given to the individuals in the study produced very profound respiratory depression in all patients and pretty much in all cases, assisted ventilation, so mechanical ventilation to keep someone breathing, was required. So even at 55 to 65 milligram dosage IV, you're going to require mechanical ventilation eventually. Another study in 1984 by Aikenhead in the British Journal of Anesthesiology showed that a single 0.125 milligram per kilogram IV dose of morphine. So, if again, if you do the math, a 70 kilogram or a 154 pound individual that is 8.75 milligrams of morphine. 8.75 milligrams of morphine compared to 100 in the movie. Um, in this, uh, there was 11 healthy adults studied. They were given this dose. Uh, they produced average serum morphine concentrations of 437 nanograms per milliliter at a half a minute after administration, at 30 seconds, and then decline to 23 nanograms per milliliter by two hours after administration. But the only reason I bring up these studies is because it shows that it's easily detectable. Easily detectable. So the movie did a very good job there. But let's, let's, let's talk about naloxone for a minute, because that came up. That was a major part of the movie, of uh, the events. What is naloxone? Naloxone has been in the news for the last several years. Um, it's an allyl analog of the opioid oxymorphone, but it's not an opioid receptor agonist like morphine is. Naloxone is actually an opioid receptor antagonist. And again, we, we, we talked about antagonists for a second in the last episode. That essentially means that it binds to opioid receptors and blocks them from being activated, which means it essentially reverses any sort of central nervous system depression and respiratory depression caused by opioids. Narcan is the trade name of naloxone. It's the one you probably hear about in the news all the time. It's been approved for opioid overdose in the U.S. since about 1971. It can be injected intravenously, as in what this, this movie was. It was, should have been, or intramuscularly, or it can even be inhaled via the nose as a spray. Uh, naloxone is sometimes incorporated into formulations with other opioids, such as buprenorphine or a trade name Suboxone. In this movie, Marta wanted to administer naloxone to Harlan immediately. And that's not really how naloxone works. So if you talk to any medical toxicologist, which I am not a medical toxicologist, I am not a medical doctor... And, but if you talk to any medical toxicologist, he or she will, will echo the same set sentiment. If a person is breathing and conversing, not suffering from those effects of opioids, in this case, morphine, so, uh, and if, if they're not suffering from the effects of opioid overdose, then naloxone isn't needed at that moment. But if Harlan was to become drowsy, dizzy, confused, hypotensive, hypothermic, respiratory depressed, unconscious, unresponsive, then he would need the naloxone. And it really isn't too much of an issue in this movie because of certain events that transpired prior to the morphine being given. I'll leave that to you to find out what the heck I'm talking about there. But let's just say this movie's full of twists and turns. So ultimately, I found the presentation of drug toxicology here to be pretty dang good. It seems that Ryan Johnson did do his research on this. What we have presented here in Knives Out is the intersection of drug toxicology and pop culture. And it was ex- executed extremely well, in my opinion. So kudos to Ryan Johnson and his team on making this uh, film and incorporating drug toxicology because it was done extremely well and the movie is extremely well done as well. And that's the bottom line. Why? Shit, so, thank you very much. so if you like what you're hearing on Dose Makes the Poison, the ToxCast, or if you want to hear more things like this, or if you have any future suggestions for episodes for me, let me know. If you want to get in contact with me, seek out my Twitter account at Forensic Guy or the show's Twitter account at ToxCast. You can venture over to Facebook and look up Dose Makes the Poison podcast page and give it a like if you want. Or you can reach me via email at dosemakesthepoisonpodcast at gmail.com. Right now, as of this recording, the the podcast itself is still only available on Spotify and Anchor, but it has been submitted to other podcast apps and, and where you get your podcasts. The one thing I'll ask is that if you do like what you're hearing, please, once this gets accepted to Apple Podcasts, or formerly known as iTunes... Please venture over there and and give me a review. Whether whether you honestly whether you love it or hate it, please give a review because that really does help build listenership. Anytime you can review, say a few words, give a four, five, three, two, one, whatever star review you want to give, please do that. I appreciate any reviews that you can leave me because it really does help in building the show. So again, Knives Out is a fantastic film, and It incorporates drug toxicology extremely well. I highly recommend you go see that movie if you can. And if you've already seen it, go see it a second time. And think about what we talked about here in this episode. So until next time, my friends, we will talk about cyanide next time. I promise. But I'll leave you with the the main mantra of toxicology. Never practice toxicology in a vacuum. Peace.